broadcasting from our digital worship studios in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is Shepherd of the Desert's online ministry. I'm John Carollis, Director of Digital Mission here at Shepherd of the Desert Lutheran Church and Preschool. And today I'm joined with Shane Watson, the Public Information Officer at Not My Kid, an organization designed at inspiring positive life choices for youth. Shane, thanks for joining me today uh, as we talk about how families can connect around uh, working with their kids and making positive choices. Can you share a little bit about Not My Kid and your own story and how you got involved with that? Absolutely. Not My Kid was founded 21 years ago by a Scottsdale family, Debbie and Steve Moak, who went through a behavioral health challenge with their own son. Now, on paper, he looked like the perfect kid scholar, athlete, student leader. They didn't know that he was struggling with substance use issues until he was in the grips of full-blown addiction. They got him help, got him on the road to recovery. He's doing great. The family's doing fantastic today, but they felt like their job wasn't done. They said, okay, we've resolved our own issue, but how many other families out there are not prepared to intervene or better yet prevent this from occurring in the first place? So we were founded around that flagship topic of substance use, and we've since expanded out to include a variety of topics, including internet safety, bullying, depression, self-injury and suicide, body image, unhealthy relationships, leadership, I mean, a variety of topics. And... We educate adults, we educate parents, grandparents, uh, we educate foster families, we also educate school faculty, and then we educate youth. Because if we're just addressing one audience, youth or adults, we're doing half the job. If we can educate and empower everyone to get on the same page and be working together, we can create change. We were founded as a prevention organization, but in recent years, we've expanded out to include early intervention. We have a program for preteens and teens who are dealing with mild to moderate substance use issues. We have peer support, and we are now licensed by the state of Arizona as an outpatient treatment facility. So we offer the full continuum of mental health and wellness care. I started with the organization eight and a half years ago, and I started with them because I'm someone who's gone through a mental and behavioral health challenge of my own. You know, on paper, I looked like the perfect kid, just like, you know, the the son of of Debbie and Steve Moak. Grew up in a wonderful home, went to church, played sports, was a Boy Scout, you name it. And ended up going down nearly a 20-year detour of substance use. Struggled with alcohol, methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin, ended up incarcerated twice. And as a result of the decisions, the last night I drank or used, November 28, 2011, ended up a convicted felon. That's a path that no one saw me going down, including me. And, you know, after all of that happened, as a result of the legal record that I ended up with because of that poor decision-making, that unhealthy decision-making, I couldn't use my degree. I couldn't get hired to do any job that I applied for. Not my kids said, we'll give you a chance. You need to at least be a year clean and sober, a year in healthy, active recovery, and we're going to give you a shot. And it's been eight and a half years since then. It's been full speed ahead. And I've worked for other organizations. I've worked for other companies, and they were all fantastic in their own way. I have never done anything anywhere near as rewarding as what I've done with Not My Kid. Literally every week, I see lives saved, and I see lives changed for the better, and you talk about going to sleep at night saying to yourself, what we did today mattered, this is it. Wow. Uh, first of all, thanks for sharing mm-hmm. all that in that personal side as well. I think speaking from experience, uh, one thing that I just heard or two things I heard in there is that Not My Kid is not a response organization primarily, but it's, it's proactive and it's comprehensive in, in what its approach is in trying to be active in promoting healthy decisions in the lives of young people. And comprehensive in the sense of it's not just dealing with kids, but you're, you're talking about the whole family experience and anyone that's involved in the life of someone uh, can be a part of 
putting together a good life for them. And it's so cool to see that your story, which was uh, had a negative trajectory, mm-hmm. a pretty negative trajectory, and somehow that turned into now a positive influence on the lives of people every day, as you said. Every week you're seeing lives saved, lives saved and positive decisions being made. And that's, that's really inspiring and encouraging to hear. And I think uh, hopefully... Uh, really inspiring for the people that join us and, and, and listening in on hearing about how Not My Kid can can be such a good thing mm-hmm. in the lives of people. Um, as we come out of the, the pandemic era and we all switched to a life of being online, and this interview is taking place because of some of those mm-hmm. decisions and, and, th- and adjustments that had to be made, uh, I don't think anyone is blind to the fact that everyone was put more online than maybe they had been before or were comfortable with being online. And as kids, especially, or young people, uh, were pushed into being more online. Have you seen or are are you working with families in helping parents to connect with their kids more or family members or or mentors to connect with the young people in their lives in a better way? Or is that challenge increased because of this pandemic, digital exaggeration? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, we all had to move online in response to COVID. It's just the reality of it. We didn't have a choice. Students didn't have a choice. Businesses, churches didn't have a choice. And, you know, with that increased amount of time online, there is going to be increased exposure to some of the more concerning elements online. Obviously, if you spend more time in an area, you're going to be exposed to some of the not-so-nice parts of that. We do work with families, and we do work with parents to and youth as well to understand what they need to know about regarding time spent online. It's not one size fits all. There's a colleague of mine, Katie McPherson, that uses a phrase that I I, I love to borrow from her, and she talks about digital candy and digital vegetables. Hmm. All time spent online is not equal. There's some fantastic things online. Their kids can learn amazing things. They can connect with family members from around the world, from around the country. They can support one another online. They can have a creative release. They can showcase the talents and the gifts that they've been blessed with. But then there's the side of it where are you idly scrolling for hours at a time to get that dopamine hit from that constant novelty on your device? Are you looking constantly at things on Instagram or Snapchat or YouTube where you're comparing your real life with the airbrushed, filtered, photoshopped thing that you're seeing out there? And so what we really try to do is help parents understand what is out there. Number one, there's the awareness piece. Because there's some parents that'll give their child a device. They think, you know, this, my, my son's a good son. My daughter's a good kid. We, these are great kids. And they are. But they're still impro- prone to impulsive decision making until their brain is fully developed. And we really want parents to know what is on that device. What do those apps do? When you're seeing certain icons on a tablet or a phone, what does that mean? What is the upside? What are the features that your child's going to tell you? This is why this is so great. But what are the potential downsides that you need to know about that app? So the awareness piece is really number one. The other big piece is helping them connect with their kids regarding technology. There's three options that we have when it comes to our kids and technology. Number one, we can be an enabler. Here's a phone. You're 12 years old. I don't know how it works. I'm going to trust you to do the right thing. And there's a big, scary world out there. 
Number two, there's a restrictor. I'm absolutely not gonna let you have any technology. Well, that doesn't work either because in order to be students, especially in the age of COVID or employees down the road, they're gonna need to use that technology. Mm-hmm. Number three is what we're aiming to prepare parents to be, and that's mentors, guides. People who understand the technology, they use it with their kids. They're their child's friend on social media. And at the same time, we want to educate the kids on how they can use technology safely, how they can use technology to help other people, etc. Yeah, I think that understanding of how technology can be such a positive thing, mm-hmm. you know, despite all the dangers that exist there, is so powerful because... Uh, if we live only looking at the negative side of things or, or the, the way that that can have a poor influence on us or put us in dangerous circumstances, uh, we're missing on how the world is functioning and how the world is connecting. Uh, sort of a funny personal story. You know, my, my parents who are uh, in their late 50s are in a Snapchat group with their, with their four kids and their families, you know. So I'll be getting, you know, Snapchats from my dad who's just wanting to see his grandson from, mm-hmm. you know, my sister's, my sister's kid on, on Snapchat, you know. And it's like, here's a way for a family to function similar to how the world is learning how to function and, and relate to itself and connect with one another. But at the same time, knowing that there's, there's things on Snapchat or there's things on, on other up-and-coming apps that, and as things shift, you just have to be aware of. And so I mm-hmm. think that, that third approach of awareness, understanding, and interaction is really important. Um, so with that, with that understanding then, as you start teaching families and youth about who's tracking them online or where their information is going and, and how to be sensitive to, to owning their own things and making sure it's only going places where they want it to go. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about the internet safety um, side of Not My Kids Work. Well, what we break down, and and I primarily focus on adult education. I used to speak to youth. I've aged out of that a little (laughs) bit, um, which is understandable. You know, the the people we send out to speak to them are young adults who are interesting. They're cool. And the kids, I mean, they have that immediate rapport. What we're really focusing on when it comes to the adult education aspect is, number one, I will break down current popular apps and app categories, whether it's anonymous apps, whether it's disappearing apps like Snapchat, messaging apps, vault apps that can hide pictures and videos and hide other apps as well. So we break those down in particular. We talk about strategies for keeping kids safe online, like encouraging them to use pseudonyms, not using their real name, because that's one of the pieces of information we don't want to give to a potential predator online. Not sharing pictures and videos of themselves or or their siblings or family members. Not geotagging their posts. So if they post an Instagram picture, not geotagging the fact that they're at you know Desert Ridge Mall, because you don't want to give that piece of information to a predator. Then we talk about cyberbullying. The four aspects of cyberbullying that set it apart from traditional schoolyard bullying and make it particularly concerning. We talk about sexting, which is the sending of sexually explicit images and videos, and, and frighteningly so, this is something we are hearing about occurring at younger and younger mm-hmm. ages, and that's a very scary thing. It's scary enough for a child to run across inappropriate material on the internet. That's concerning enough. When they are creating it and, and dispersing it, and running the risk of that something that the world, the entire world could see, and that image could be out there and have a digital footprint permanently, that's frightening. And then we break down the methods that predators use to track children online, to target them, to groom them, and eventually exploit them. We explain all of this so parents can know what they're up against out there on the internet, safeguard their kids against it, and still allow their kids to use technology safely. 
Yeah, thanks for sharing all that. I think as we all are, are in society together, we're seeing the, the difference that it makes that things are archived online, where even deleted tweets are getting people fired for Absolutely. jobs that they Years have had later. For, for decades. Yep. You know? And uh, in the past, you know, people could make decisions and learn le- life lessons the hard way without it necessarily sticking with them the same way that, uh, that things stick in the digital era. And as we are, are walking forward in this together, that education piece just must be so important um, because a nine-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old putting things out online isn't aware necessarily of all the ramifications that that can have, if any of us are, you know, let alone, uh, let alone a, a full-fledged adult or someone who's, who's making a living online. I'm just so glad that we didn't have the Internet when I was in middle school and high school. Like <laughs> you said, we made enough you know, mistakes. We didn't need them archived for the entire world to see. And, and, and you talk about the permanency of those pictures and videos. When we educate kids, we teach them an acronym before they post. Think. Is this, and, it's a, and each letter stands for something. Is this truthful? Is this helpful? Is this interesting? Is this necessary? Is this kind? Does it meet all that criteria? Then you can go ahead and post it. Like, and to really think before you put that picture out there or that tweet that could come back to haunt your employment opportunities. Right. It's about understanding the permanency of a digital world that seems very temporary but is not as temporary as it seems. And when someone understands how that unseen level of connection really works mm-hmm. online uh, and you can show that to the people that don't see it, um, it just makes that awareness a whole lot better and i think that's that's a really important piece because when those uh you know say like like the the netflix show social dilemma came out everyone really had a panic attack about uh, what can they see online and and if we have an understanding of how the internet works then those surprises aren't necessarily as Mm -hmm. traumatic for us and we can just be a little bit better about how we function online have you seen uh families or have you heard about families that just have a hard time talking about this topic or talking about limitations restrictions um, education in general, participation on apps with their parents. You know, it, I would imagine that that probably creates some conflict within families. Are you working with families and how to connect better about uh, that actual conversation between students and, and, and parents or family members or mentors and, their, and their, the youth in their lives? Absolutely. You can have all the knowledge in the world. And if you lack that connection with your child, all that knowledge is not going to help you. It's about creating that connection, that healthy relationship, that love, that understanding with them. It actually involves a lot of listening. A lot of times it's a matter of parents asking a child a question and just hanging back and listening to what they have to say. Listening to really hear, listening to understand, not listening to prepare what your answer is going to be, not listening for what you think you're going to hear, but genuinely hearing what that child has to say. So many preteens and teens that I meet tell me, I feel like I'm not being heard. And that's Mm -hmm. a big part of it. And as parents, you know, our instinct first and foremost, as it should be, is to protect our kids. We want to keep them safe. And it's this big, scary world out there on the internet. And it's foreign to us. And sometimes we just want to shut it all down. It's a matter of teaching parents how to have those conversations with their kids. Why is this app interesting to you? Why is this important to you? What do you use this for? How does it make you feel when you get done using this app? So seeking to understand and sometimes using it with them, letting them show you What do you love about this? And taking a genuine interest, if you do that, it starts to bring those walls down. 
they view you less as an authority figure, which they need to view a parent as an authority figure, but they start to view you as someone who wants that relationship with them. One of the scariest things in the world is not if your child makes a mistake online and comes and tells you, I made a mistake. One of the scariest things is when they make a mistake online or they're being groomed by a predator and they don't come and tell you and they don't feel like they can talk to you. And part of preparing parents to be the first person their child comes to is teaching us, and I'm a dad, I've got an eight and a half year old daughter, how to be conscious of our nonverbals. Depending on what research you read, as much as 93% of the message that's conveyed is not in our words. It's in our body language, our facial expression, our level of eye contact, etc. When our child tells us they did something we didn't want them to do or something that may put them in danger, we're going to feel emotion. We can't just flip a switch and not feel emotion. But we need to compose ourselves. Take a deep breath. Take a moment. Because if they see us losing control when they come to us and we raise our voice, that's telling them, I can't talk to mom. I can't talk to dad. It doesn't mean that we don't correct where there needs to be correction. It doesn't mean that there's not consequences when there need to be. But the first words out of our mouth should be, I'm so glad you came and told me that. Because then they'll feel like they can come to us. And so I'm so glad that you asked about that. It's being able to have that conversation. And that's not only internet safety. All of those topics that I mentioned that we speak on my kid, it's the matter of being able to have that connection and have your child feel like, I can come talk to you about anything. Explain to your kid, there's nothing that you will ever do that will make me love you any less. I think it's an amazing opportunity that exists in the digital side or the internet safety side of this conversation that can lead to important connections between parents and kids in the other areas, is that the, the internet presence of kids or of anyone as an individual online is set up to be a platform for you. Mm-hmm. You are sharing who you are. You're, you're letting people know about you. And so I think that's an opportunity for parents to say, Tell me about who you are online. Who, who understands you? Where do you feel most like yourself? And in that, there's that connection being made where now that can be applied to these other areas as well because uh, it's, Internet is not replacing any of the stressors that's present in, in no. kids' lives. In fact, it's just another one on top of everything else. And it's enhancing else. them too. Exactly, yeah. And so having that connection, thanks for bringing that, mm-hmm. that parallel alongside because that's so important. Um, and, and as... Uh, whether it's church or other organizations or uh, a workplace someday or just school, uh, a parent's involvement in a, in a child's life is one of the most important involvements that a person can have in another person's life. And so to see that um, and, to, and to be working toward that with Now My Kid. Um, so with all this really important information and as parents or uh, people that work with youth or people that, that are involved with youth in their lives are hearing this conversation take place, how can they get in touch with someone at Not My Kid or how do they attend one of your events? What can they do to get more of that kind of information and interaction from you guys? There's a few different ways. Number one, the one-stop shop for Not My Kid is our website, notmykid.org. Again, that's notmykid.org. Pretty much all the information you're going to need about the organization you can find through the website. If you want to really keep up with current events, with webinars that we have coming up, things we have open to the public, just search Not My Kid, written as one word, Not My Kid, on Facebook, and you'll find our Facebook page. Also on Facebook, we created a support community for parents 
grandparents, guardians, etc. So if they search Not My Kid Families on Facebook, once again, Not My Kid is one word, Not My Kid Families, it is a private group where we not only are sharing trends or breaking news or things that parents need to know that relate to preteens and teens, parents can come in there and ask a question and they can ask it anonymously in the group. And so we've had parents come in there and say, our daughter's 14 years old, we're going through this challenge with her. Have any of you gone through this with your child? What did you do about it? And then two, three, four, five, six parents reply with, yeah, we went through that same thing when our child was 14. Here's what worked for us. And instantly that parent that asked that question doesn't feel alone. They don't feel isolated. They feel supported. Number four, and I'm really proud of this. Maybe I'm a little partial because I'm the host. Not My Kid has a podcast called Win This Year, W-I-N, Win This Year. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, etc. We are 32 episodes in. We speak on all the topics that I mentioned earlier that we speak on at Not My Kid. We've talked to parenting experts. We've talked to parents who've gone through a tragedy involving their child. We've gained information from them. What did you learn from that? What do you want other parents to know about what you went through so they don't have to go through that same experience? And while we talk about heavy topics, we do it solution-focused. We talk about what can we do about this. So we want every episode to be interesting, informative, and inspiring. So notmykid.org, the website, Not My Kid on Facebook, Not My Kid Families, and the podcast win this year. Those are the best ways to get connected with us and get ongoing information. And those are all immediately available to anyone that wants to get to know uh, you guys a little bit better and understand Mm -hmm. more of what offerings you have to speak into the needs of their life. And I know also you do some special events, uh, speaking engagements, things like that. And at Shepherd of the Desert, we are planning on uh, incorporating that into some of our fall ministry outreach opportunities. What an important work that you guys are up to. Thanks so much for, for what you're doing. And, uh, and also just thank you for coming in the studio today and for, for sharing with me the, the mission and the message of Not My Kid and sharing with the people joining us online or watching these recordings how they can be more involved with Uh, and better involved in the lives of the youth around them. Appreciate you coming into the studio today. Thank you so much for having me here. All right. Broadcasting from our digital worship studios in Scottsdale, Arizona, this is Shepherd of the Desert's online ministry.